This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! each other for four years now yes and what did i do what was the thing that made you go i'm gonna pull a two-year prank on my friend nathan i i am really i am pulling the long con here listen Nathan, the reaction I'm getting right now is exactly why I thought you would be the ideal partner for this podcast. <laughs> what is happening? I feel I feel like I have been punked. Punked by 1992 across time and space. There are there are shows that I don't like the ending of because they're bad. Battlestar Galactica being one of them. Yeah. This doesn't end <laughs> it's a non-ending hang on a second my Roomba's starting <laughs> exactly swan's crossing never ends it goes on forever in our hearts what monster <laughs> has done this to us <laughs> Your listeners, if you for some reason have made it to the end of this podcast Without finishing Swan's Crossing. I don't know what to say to you. I'm laughing so hard I'm crying. (laughs) I? This is great. Your cat feels the same way I do. (laughs) Sorry, my cat. (laughs) We We have a repair guy coming shortly to do some work downstairs. And Choopy, my cat, is violent, violent and crazy. So he has to be up here in the office with me while I'm recording. So we get we get the joy of Chubby stop <laughs> for the 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 recording of the final recap of Gotta Grow Up Sometime: A Swan's Crossing Retrospective. I'm Nathan Kessler Jeffrey. I'm Livy Grant, and it is the final episode of Swan's Crossing, episode sixty-five. And you guys, I have been waiting for two years to see how Nathan reacts to this moment. I here's the thing. It was worth it. Here's the thing. This is on me. I should have known. I should have. If you are one of those people who is irritated by the J.J. Abrams mystery box convention of storytelling, where you set up a lot of questions and then you waltz away having answered next to none of them, like Alias or Lost 
or the first Star Wars sequel. You're going to love the ending of Swan's Crossing is all I'm going to say. Because zero of the predictions that I made last week are correct. To be fair, at the time when they actually wrote and filmed episode 65 of Swan's Crossing, they had been given the green light for a season two. And it didn't get, it got pulled later. So this was an appropriate cliffhanger that was going to lead them in to season two. And it only got axed after the fact. No, 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 no. Because this ending answers nothing. You can, you can have a cliffhanger like will Picard escape the Borg. That's a good cliffhanger. You can't have a cliffhanger where nothing is settled or addressed, where we get no closure about anything. What we do get is a bunch of beach balls. (laughs) That's it. A bunch of beach balls is definitely the title for this episode. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's what I'm going to take away. Well, let's get into it, friends. Let's do it. What what the hell did I think was going to happen? Because it didn't. I tell you. You predicted the truth about the birth certificate would be revealed. No. Nope. Billy Gunn would return to Swan's Crossing. No, thank God. <laughs> JT and Neil would discover that Captain Baldy was seeking proof of Professor Van. JT and Neil did not discover that, but Callie and Jimmy did. Queen Callie. Coming yep. through. <laughs> the only moment of even close to closure that we get. You you also predicted that there would be some big development in the mayoral race. I mean, we do get a dramatic reaction from Muffy right at the end, so... No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, we get a very understated emotional reaction from Muffy. Choopy, shut up. <laughs> I'm leaving all of his meows in. Choopy is having more emotional like response to what happens in this episode then the character is in swan's crossing yeah it was great um okay you you also predicted mila would discover the jt wrote the poems no no nope. and we would end season one right before the big inaugural concert i mean we kind of did eight it's days yeah, but also there's no consistency in the way time is portrayed in this show. So eight days might go by by the next episode, you know? Well, and, and it did seem like there was a point in my notes when I was like, did we just like jump forward a week in the timeline? Because I think last episode, it was like two weeks till the mayoral. Yes. Uh, yeah, we did jump forward like a significant amount of time. Choopy, stop scratching the door. I swear to God. This cat. He is insane. This is why his name is Chupacabra. We tried to name him Freddie Mercury. The name didn't stick because he's a crazy man. <laughs> Choopy. Hey, Psst. stop. No. Are you sure you are you sure you don't want to like put him in a bedroom? Well, <laughs> we have the other two cats locked up in the, the bedroom, so Oh. This is the option, unfortunately. Um I might lock him in the bathroom next door while we're recording. Let me see how that works. Okay. That door doesn't shut all the way. <laughs> so he'll just get out. So you know what? You need to calm down. Just chill. Okay. <laughs> it's cat. Anyway, we open. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to do your, your uh, very important thumbnail. Let's touch. Yeah, very important thumbnail. This whole show has been so important, really leading up to something final and definitive. So, in the, sh- in the thumbnail on shoutfactorytv.com, 
Sydney stands in a wide, horizontal black and white striped dress or oversized shirt, I'm not sure which, hair on point, holding a microphone at what I presumed to be the Swans Club. Behind her are a sunflower arrangement and what looks like harvest or fall decor. It also sort of looks like there's a Christmas tree camera left. It does. And on the candle, a tiny dais, uh, on the on the counter, a candle on a tiny dais made of corn. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Very festive. And it's a lot to process. <laughs> All right. We open on Sydney and Mila returning to Sydney's bedroom. They've been out shopping for new outfits for school. Sydney's all chipper, but Mila still pretty bummed out about Garrett's impending exile to a French boarding school. Yep. Uh, they are coming into Sydney's room with the luxurious white four poster. And Sydney thanks Mila for coming along. She wasn't, Mila wasn't in the mood, but wanted to try and take her mind off things. And... Sydney, Sydney's line in here about always being ready for shopping because she loves being waited on hand and foot because it brightens her day is very funny to me. It's Do people, I've never gone shopping when someone has waited on me, like at all, let alone hand and foot. Oh, uh, there are, this is a thing at like Nordstrom's. Okay, so so this is a rich people thing. Oh, this is 100% a rich people thing. There are people like you, like certain people, go to Nordstrom's, set an appointment with their personal shopper, they go sit down, and then the personal shopper brings them clothes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Fancy. Um, I'm very confused for, by this one particular moment because Sydney pulls out like an all-black outfit for Mila to sort of hold up to herself, and she tells Mila that the outfit is going to make her look like roadkill. Is this supposed to... Is she saying that the outfit sucks or that it's like sick you know like i don't understand this <laughs> nothing on earth could make britney daniels look like roadkill first of all i know <laughs> they rolled it up and it's a really cute little black skirt i don't understand yeah with like a black long sleeve tee it's very very chic very cute but like like this is gonna make you look like roadkill that's not a thing people say that's not a thing people yeah. ever said no it isn't there is some womp womp music as Mila notes that it might be her last party with Garrett before he goes to school. And then we cut to the booth porch where Garrett is anxiously awaiting the mailman as Glory comes upon him asking what it is that he's waiting for. Oh yeah, and he says he's just waiting for answers from a few high power record producers. So I guess the music video has already been made and he sent it off. Like, no, it hasn't. I don't know. Like we find out later, music video does not exist yet, but it sure seems like it does in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's very weird. It is very funny to me the way that some things have jumped ahead a week, like Garrett waiting for calls or mailings from the producers and other things have not jumped ahead a week, like Owen's work on the video. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Garrett and Glory tediously rehash the plan, namely that Garrett will entangle himself with Mila's music career so that he has to remain stateside to manage her. And Garrett gloomily points out that time is running out. Yeah, I do. Glory has some very sassy moments in this scene, and I very much like her. Glory really got, like, sassy in the last couple episodes. I enjoy this side to her character very much. Well, some some girl moving in on her boyfriend. <laughs> She gotta get the work done. Okay, hang on. I gotta move my chapstick out of the way because Choopy's gonna fuck with him. Choopy, you just need to just give me like half an hour. Come on. Anyway. 
we cut to Swan's Cafe. He's like, no! <laughs> Fuck your podcast! We cut to Swan's Cafe. Callie and Jimmy are arm wrestling while Jazz looks on. And uh, Callie wins. There is the counter behind them on which they are arm wrestling is littered with meal detritus. As, <laughs> yes. if, as if the props designers were like, oh, thank God, it's the last one. Fuck it. Let's get rid of Elijah's pancakes. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy kind of implies that he let her win. And when they ask Jazz whether any more weirdos have been spotted in the cafe, she refers to Ralph and the FBI guy as the skateboarding butler and the lettuce freak. Yep. Lettuce freak. I love that. (laughs) She does go into a little bit of her, you know, conversation with Captain Baldy and they pick up pretty quickly that she's she's got the hots for him oh yeah and uh she mentions that the guy who she thought was cute was only into pancakes which callie leverages into some very awkward flirting with jimmy who says pancakes aren't all he's into yeah Uh, sexy well he's (laughs) captain baldy is only into pancakes and professor van that's right which is important for later in the episode yes hey stop scratching on the door you are a nightmare stop it you're this is gonna be an editing nightmare for you my friend i know it's gonna be bad Chupacabra, stop it. Cut to outside the cafe. A shaky cam closes in on Barrick, who's sitting on the bench. Barrick stands up, moves toward the camera with a steely expression, and stares directly into the lens. It's Owen. Of course it's Owen. He stops. He stops filming. Barrick starts to walk away. And then Owen starts filming again. Barrick sees this, calls him a rat, and comes back. It's great. Owen comments that everyone's always losing it when he shoots them. Yeah, because nobody likes it, dude. This is where I texted you, did the creators of Google Glass ner- learn nothing from Swan's Crossing? No one <laughs> likes to be filmed. Yeah, seriously. Barrick realizes, though, that he might find some sort of clues in Owen's footage of of all the randos he's been filming around town. So he invites Owen to stop by the tool and die later that evening and show him, no, Owen, stranger danger. Yeah, and Owen agrees to do this after he gets footage at the pool party. So it goes from bad to worse. It goes from... I'm going to show you pictures of stuff that I've filmed in your dark home to I'm going to show you pictures of teenagers in swimming suits in your dark home. Oh, God, it's so bad. (laughs) It's just awful. Nothing about this is good. As Owen exits with his video camera, we see that Jimmy and Callie have been hiding in the bushes outside the swan's door and listening. Mm. They stare at each other with concerned expressions. But what I really love about this moment is that as Owen walks by, Jimmy just like holds his hand up over his face as if that's going to hide him. Absolutely, yes. Of course it will. It works, though. Owen does not notice them. <laughs> Listen, Owen doesn't notice much. <laughs> Poor Owen. We cut to commercial and then back to my favorite edit of the theme song. So at least yeah. we got my favorite version of the theme song in the final episode. Hell yeah. JT pulls up outside the tool and die on his mini bike as Garrett also pulls up on his. They've run into each other at the post office just before this. And uh, JT is just really rubbing salt in the wound of Garrett's impending departure to France. Oh, yeah. There's there's this really great exchange where JT's like, hey, we keep turning up in the same places. Garrett goes, it's a free country. And then JT says, so is France. Yep. It is. There is some serial killer music that comes on as Garrett glares at JT. 
And then we cut to the inside of the tool and die where Jimmy's hand covers Callie's on the motor of the revolving concert stage. Oh my as God. the music changes from serial killer music abruptly into this like lovey dovey synth music. <laughs> it's so funny. Callie remarks that they make a perfect team because they have finished the outdoor, the revolving stage motor at last. There's some innuendous talk, which is a word I just made up, Mm. (laughs) about how they don't want the motor to go too fast. Which is really funny because this is coming from Jimmy in this scene, and he's the one who's just spent the last, like, five episodes trying to, like, make out with Callie. Right? Yeah. I I mean, maybe Jimmy is sophisticated enough to realize that he's talking about better sex by slowing down, but, you know, at age 16, I kind of doubt that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. Callie gets flustered and says that, after Sydney's party, they should meet back up at the Tool and Die to figure out what footage Owen was going to show Barrick. And Barrick comes strolling in right on cue, saying that they'll get the stage spinning, and if they can uh, get Ralph to stop spinning out, it'll be a real success. JT and Garrett show up with their bike. Sorry, we gotta talk about Barrick's entrance lines. Oh yeah, go for it. Because this is, it is such a specific thing to Barrett that he comes in and consistently and says some of the worst written non sequiturs in the show in a show of badly written non sequiturs but they're always on his entrance lines and I don't it's just I'm gonna miss it Libby I'm gonna miss Barrett's Barrett's bad entrance lines Okay. You know, I, I, one of the things I regret the most about No Season 2 is finding out once and for all whether Barrick is evil or good, because you just can't tell. Oh, Barrick's evil. That's not the question. The question is, is Barrick working for evil or working for good? Yeah, good call. <laughs> any, any person, any adult ass man who has that much chemistry with teenage girls is definitely evil. Oh, for sure. For sure. So everybody kind of breaks up into little groups inside the shop and uh, JT sneaks over to Callie and asks if Sydney's birth certificate or Callie asks him if Sydney's birth certificate has shown up yet, but it has not. And then my notes say Garrett and Jimmy exchange pointless dialogue for a moment and Barrick adds in some more pointless banter of his own. <laughs> yeah. And, and he creeps up right behind Jimmy. His line is certain pressures will warp even the best of people young james right oh my god it's so like he is right up on jimmy in the Uh, way that billy gunn creeps up on mila uh, do not like it i do not like that man bro (laughs) (laughs) neither do i we cut to sydney's room where nancy is helping to carry in yet another giant load of shopping packages she dumps all the bags and boxes on sydney's bed libby i did not go back and look but I would one I would lay solid money down that if you went back and looked at the earlier scene, these are the same boxes and bags. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I have no doubt. <laughs> Nancy says, what would you have done without me? And Sydney thoughtlessly says she was going to go shopping with Mila again, I guess, in the same day. But she figured Nancy would be better than nothing. Uh, this is old Sydney starting to creep back in. Yeah. Old, old thoughtless Sydney. Nancy really gets her dander up at this. And she says, I don't mind being second string at some things as long as I can be first string on the most important things. Apparently, she has displaced Sydney in the steeplechase. Yes. Because Sydney, as we recall, from Sydney's very first appearance, 
Sydney is a jockey. Is that what you call those people? <laughs> a jockey? No, she she's an equestrian. She's a an subtle equestrian. distinction. Okay, she's an equestrian because she shows up in jodhpurs with a with a riding crop her first time. Yes, and uh, throughout the summer, Sydney has not been focused on that at all. So Nancy has snuck in and supplanted her in the equestrian club or whatever. Yes, so now Nancy's like the head writer, and Sydney uh, definitely seems upset by this, at least for a while. Nancy revels in the act of rubbing it in. She says, Sydney uh, must have been too busy all summer with, I don't know, shopping. It's, oh, it's such a good Nancy moment. It is, it, honestly, we got some prime Nancy in this final episode, and that is great. Uh, she does remind Sydney that Sydney's going to get her moment of glory when the stage opens and she has to make a big speech, which seems to freak Sydney out. I don't know why Sydney's always making big speeches. So I know. I, I think what we're supposed to get from this moment is that Sydney has forgotten that she also needs to write a big speech. So that's like more on her plate. But Sydney writes big speeches all the time. Like, who cares? And then Nancy says, I'm off to spread a little cheer before the party tonight. And you can tell this girl is about to go wreak havoc on the lives of some poor person with low self-esteem. Oh, God. Our, our cruel and heartless queen, Nancy. We salute you. Oh, so good. Just as she leaves, Sydney's phone rings. It's Garrett. Sydney is surprised that he's calling because if her mother finds out, she'll be pissed. But uh, Garrett is reminding her that the concert is in eight days. He still hasn't heard from Uncle Bobby if Uncle Bobby's going to be here or not. There's a great flubbed line in here from Garrett. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't remember what was said, but I was like, oh, that, that was a bad one. Yeah, it was just like some awkward anyway. stumbling through a line. It was pretty great. Garrett says that he is now fixing to expose Sydney before the whole town in eight days, which is when the concert is supposed to happen. He's planning to get on the PA system at the concert just as the crowd gathers and... In a voice like God from the heavens, he will reveal to everyone in Swan's Crossing that Sydney was switched at birth with Sandy Swan. And apparently this won't really shake up the mayoral race, which doesn't make any sense to me because I thought the concert was to celebrate the winner of the mayoral race. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it, I don't none know. of this makes sense. He hangs up as Sydney yells at him. Muffy enters just then, but Muffy is distracted by her woes and wanders around Sydney's bedroom with some hangers. There's some Muffy was essentially not told anything specific. She was like like the director and the writers were like, look real bothered. There's a big problem that you can't talk to your daughter about. Look real bothered. We cut to outside the tool and die. JT comes out of the shop and bumps into Neil confirming that no mail for Professor Van has shown up. They decide that they're going to take the last few hours before the party tonight to prep everything that they need for when the final element arrives. And then they take off. My favorite line in here is, Neil has a line that's, you be or not you be? When is the question? So good. As they take off, Captain Baldy pops his head around the corner of the shop, watching them pensively while he eats a cold pancake all folded up like it's a taco. The Ninja Turtle Band-Aids still clinging to his head. My god, how bad is this injury on his head? Like, these Band-Aids have been on there for weeks now. If those Band-Aids have been on there for weeks, he needs to see a doctor. Seriously. Like, he, like that is infected. Get those Band-Aids off there, bud. Maybe it's just like a fashion statement at this point. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. 
We cut to commercial and then come back to Mila lounging, moping on her bed as Nancy does a cheer that makes no sense. Something about raw potatoes and alligators and swans. It is the stupidest cheer I've ever heard in my life. I wrote it down because I hate it so much. Here it is, friends. Digga digga raw potato, half past alligator, ram ram, bulla wigga chicka wada, swans, swans, rah rah rah. What the fuck is that? Yeah. It's nonsense. That's what it is. Nancy, you let us down. Yeah. Well, it is nonsense. And Mila treats it like nonsense. She's like, yes, that was very good. Go team. And <laughs> uh, it seems like Nancy is trying to it, pur- purport to encourage her to try out for cheerleading when Nancy is actually just really, again, rubbing salt in the wound that Garrett is leaving and Mila's going to be without a boyfriend in a week. Oh, tragic. So tragic. We cut to Sydney's room again. She's doing her hair for the party. It was, now, Libby, it was at this moment, it was right around here, that I realized nothing would be resolved. Because we're we're about halfway through the episode at this point. <laughs> and, and I was like, why? Why, like, like nothing, There there are 10 minutes of film left. We're not going to get to any of this. And I realized that this was my fault. This was my fault for getting my hopes up that that something, that these writers on this show might resolve something. (laughs) Muffy comes in, tells Sydney she's going to be late for her party, and mentions that she's going to stop by the party later. Muffy, do not go to the teenager's party. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean... When she does go, she doesn't do anything. I know. And then, like, even before we cut away from this scene, Muffy makes some weird, depressed comment about how no one ever has fun after they're young. It is very odd. Yeah, it's extremely odd. And and so, like, Muffy, you need to see a doctor and talk about some medication. A- ask your doctor if whatever. Pro- I almost said Prilosec. That's not it. What's the one that starts with a P? Uh, Prozac? Yes! Yeah. Prilosec. God. <laughs> We cut to the booth porch at night. Garrett's anxiety continues to mount, and Glory asks him what he and their dad were just arguing about. Apparently they got into a really big fight. Yeah, because apparently Grant doesn't think that Garrett should start school on Monday because he's just going to be leaving for France in a week. So Glory's being very sweet and supportive. She called Mila for Garrett and told Mila that Garrett would meet her at the party. And she had not been, Glory had not been planning to go to the party herself, but she changed her mind after seeing how upset Garrett is because he might need some support. So we cut to the Swans Club. In the the concessions window hangs a banner that at first glance says goodbye Sumer. Now there is a second M, but it's behind the first M and in a different color. So it's very difficult to see. Someone obviously did not know how to spell summer in the props department and somebody came along and was like, oh, this isn't good. And they fixed it. Yeah. (laughs) Also, the two O's in good for no apparent reason are glasses, not shades. Like Harry Potter glasses. (laughs) Yeah. Like round spectacles. Yep. Uh, the saddest party ever is going on beneath this banner. Sydney, Nancy, and a random extra sit together at a table. You noticed that? Like, who is that third person? Some guy. Never seen him before. There are beach balls scattered everywhere. Everywhere. Owen is filming. On the other side of the pool, Sandy is telling Saja that she's finished her song, which apparently 
Saja thinks begins with a Vulcan mind meld. Oh, because they they had that moment where they both said the same line or something, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Saja is about to eat two burgers. He offers one to Sandy, but Sandy says she has given up meat because Saja inspired her. Query, since you live on the island, I know there's no Beyond Whoppers there, but have you had a chance to get a Beyond Whopper on the mainland? No. Oh, Mm. man. That shit's good. I'm not going to lie. Is it? It's All really right. good. Yeah, it's delicious. Sasha gets this goofy grin and then spots Callie talking to Jimmy across the pool. And it seems like we're setting up that Saja is is forlornly letting Callie go and moving his affection to Sandy. Yes. And I wonder how that would have played out in season two. Like, would he have stuck with Sandy or would he have still been heartbroken over Callie and have tried to, like, win her away from Jimmy somehow? I we'll will, never know. We'll never know. We'll never know what Saja's next personality would have been. <laughs> All the things we miss. So sad. There's a brief moment where Owen almost falls into the pool with a camera. Neil manages to, like, grab him. And then we cut over to Callie and Jimmy, who are trying to figure out what Barrick would want with the tapes and decide that they are not going to swim so they can follow Owen as soon as he leaves. Yes, it's funny to me that Callie specifically tells Jimmy, don't get wet. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Mila and JT, meanwhile, are sitting on a towel beside the pool, very close to each other and chattering away about Shakespeare's sonnets. Apparently, JT has just recited one from memory. Mila... Is enraptured. He's utterly enraptured, and apparently JT knows all of Shakespeare's sonnets by heart. Well, just the published ones. Aren't there like 162 of them or something like that? Yes, there are a lot. There are over 100 sonnets. That's a lot for a teenager to memorize. We cut to Sydney pulling Callie away from Jimmy. She asks about the birth certificate, but Callie doesn't have the new one. So we get a pensive stare from Sydney. Then Garrett and Glory arrive at the pool. They spot JT and Mila talking. Uh-oh. Glory is pissed. So pissed. They both kind of, JT and Mila kind of scramble up to rejoin their partners. Glory makes some comment about how Garrett could only teach someone the difference between a worm and a snake. JT's like, whoa, Glory, what's wrong with you? And she goes, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. So good. She uh, grabs JT and pulls him away to the food. And Mila asks, if you want to go swimming, I can do three different strokes after our lessons, which is objectively funny if you think about it long enough. And then he, and then Garrett really just bombs the mood out by saying, yeah, but can we stay afloat when we're apart? <laughs> really just sink that mood right to the bottom of the pool there, Garrett. Oh, it's so good. Garrett hopes there will be some music video he can use, and he yells for Owen. Owen comes over and says, the video will be shot and edited in a few days. So the video does not wait, exist. Wait, 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 wait. Owen doesn't just come over. Owen backs out of one of the cabanas. True. <laughs> having just filmed someone changing? Or, or two teenagers making out in there. Like, that's the other option, you know? But his line is, It'll be great for the credits. What? Yeah. The credits. Owen, you nasty. (laughs) You nasty. Anyway, he confirms that the video will be shot and edited in a few days. So I don't know what Garrett sent to all these record producers that he's waiting so anxiously for a reply over. So Owen jets to get started on the video. Callie and Jimmy see him leaving and take off after, after Owen. 
they decide not to tell Saja, who apparently, quote, has his hands full because he's over with Sandy. Sydney gets the mic, gets everybody's attention, welcomes them to the goodbye to summer party. And we cut right over to JT and Neil, who are like, more like a good riddance to Garrett party. (laughs) (laughs) Sydney weirdly tells everyone to have a good time because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And at that, everyone who's still left, who hasn't like vacated the set already, gets very pensive for their own personal reasons. And we fade to commercial. Yeah, it cuts to Mila and Garrett standing by the punch pole, looking sad and reflective. He takes her hand. They smile. Then it cuts to Saja and Sandy. They glance at each other and smile. Then it cuts to JT putting his arm around Glory, who looks worried and, like, upset. And then we fade to commercial. And when we come back, Barrick is setting up the TV and the tool and die. And essentially has given Owen, like, a pint of triple ripple as payment. And I'm like, Owen, get out of there. Do not take ice cream from strangers. This is how it always happens. Come on, Owen. You should be smarter than this. Callie and Jimmy watch from a crack in the door, and we see the time on the TV screen. We see that one time when Owen filmed Sydney in her own home. And in the midst of this, we cut back to Sydney and Garrett exchanging barbs at the pool party. Sydney is convinced Grant, Garrett's dad, is going to know that the birth certificate is a lie as soon as Garrett shows it to him. And during this conversation, Mila, Glory, and JT are doing, like, practice cheers in the background. It is so spastic and big. It's extremely distracting. It is great. Garrett informs Sydney again that he's going to announce the whole switched at birth thing at the concert over the PA system. And Sydney reacts as if this is the first time she's heard it. And uh, we already got this information previously in this episode, so whatever. But he's only going to do this if his plan to impress Grant with the, the whole Mila agent thing fails. She accuses him of being a dreamer, starts to walk away. He grabs her arm, pulls her close as this intense, dark music plays, and he tells her that he's her worst nightmare. Oh, Holy Shit, Louie, this is so scary. It is crazy, but just then Muffy arrives. She tells Garrett to get his hands off her daughter, which is, you know, good. And Garrett walks away coolly. Sydney tries to tell Muffy that it's okay, but Muffy says, no, it's not okay. It's a sign that everything is changing for the worse. But then she has to make some phone calls, so she leaves. Uh, We cut back to the tool and die. We see Captain Baldy crouching in the bushes on the TV, listening to JT and Neil talk about Professor Van. And then we cut to the exterior of the tool and die, where Jimmy and Callie have recognized Captain Baldy, that he's the one after JT and Neil. And that's it. That is the, that is all of the closure we get on this fucking plot. (laughs) We cut back to the pool where the kids are having some kind of ball battle in the water. The theme song creeps in over all this fun as Muffy looks on soberly. She wipes away a single tear. And then we cut over to Captain Baldy, dressed in a swimming outfit with a towel. And then the camera pans up high over the party as the kids play and the theme song rises. The ball is tossed. It bounces off someone's head into the air. Freeze frame, black screen, to be continued rolls. And this is the worst ending ever. And then it says, let us hear from you. Here's the thing. I have done some deep, deep Googling, including using the Wayback Machine, to find out if people ever actually wrote in to the producers of Swan's Crossing 
Um, many, many people tried. Many people attempted to contact whoever made Swan's Crossing, which w- you could not find this information in 1992. There was no way to contact them. <laughs> so let us hear from you, but how? <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's the end of Swan's Crossing. Yeah. Um, I think I have an idea, Libby, but who do you think is our psychopath of the week? Um, okay. I feel like it's really between Barrick and Garrett again, but I think I have to go with Garrett because he seems to be ramping up in desperation. Yeah, I completely agree. Barrick doesn't do anything nearly psychotic to the level of grabbing someone and telling them that he's their worst nightmare. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Did we get a swan count for this one? I, I feel like we sure did. We got three new fake swans. We got uh, two swans in the pool, and then we got the bed swan at Mila's house. Wow. Well, so um, that brings our total count to seven imaginary swans, twenty-four actual swans, one hundred and fifty-eight other swans in the greatest show of all time, Swans Crossing. Now. Libby, for the finale episode, for our retrospective on our retrospective, I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure out when we reached 24 actual swans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and So that I can figure out how many episodes you promised me more actual swans for. Listen, it was not an intentional deception. It's more that I've seen Swans Crossing so many times that I just couldn't remember whether the actual swans appeared later or whether I was just watching the first half of the series over and over again so many times. This whole podcast (laughs) is intentional deception. (laughs) This whole thing. Admit it, you loved it. I did. I absolutely have loved every single minute of this. I knew you would. You are a crazy person. I know. <laughs> I can't believe you brought me to this point. And it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life that you don't know the answers to all these questions that were left hanging. You know what? It's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not. You say that now. <laughs> what would be what would be hilarious though is going through the rest of my life knowing that at any point somebody could ask me about this podcast. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Hey, uh, my prediction for next week is that we're gonna have we're gonna have a wrap up episode, and it's gonna be great. And I, I hope we have some fan questions submitted for that. I hope that everybody is sending us stuff on Instagram and not Twitter. And I'm gonna have some questions for you, Libby. I hope you have some questions for me. Oh, I will. Uh, and. I that's that's my prediction for next week. I can't wait. It's going to be super fun. We're going to we're going to go over we're going to find out um in in ascending order who was the most psychopathic over the course of the entire show. I really think it's going to be a toss up between Garrett and Barrick for the the number 1 spot. I think they might be equal. We'll see though. It's it's going to be close. It's going to be very close. Yep. I would like to thank Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. So would I. Thank you, guys. And also, um, you have one more week to get your information, your questions to us on Instagram, at Swan's Cross Pod DM, with some questions. Um, because we would love to find or just send us your comments, too. Like, if you have memories relating to Swan's Crossing... Send them in too. We will share them on on our our retrospective retrospective. And until we can see one another again, may all of your endings have more closure than this. (laughs) Indeed. Bye.
anyway. I'm in such a fabulous mood, I'm off to spread a little cheer before the party tonight. 